Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london, london is blue podcast, podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast covering the best team in all of world football, the one that saved it from the brink of extinction as we know it, Chelsea Football Club. I'm damn no Brandon today, so it's going to be a super positive, excited episode, and of course, <laughs> Nick Verlani here as well. Nick, how to are you doing? bring it down, just to bring <laughs> it straight back down, you know? That's what I'm here for. Well, but we also have a guest too, Nick, right? Yes, yes, so excited. Uh, Abby McCarthy is on. We we have been in coordination with this pod appearance for what seems like months and months and months, and, and we finally found the right kind of time slot. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We finally did this. So we glad to it. be here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we figured you're next to Emma Hayes, you're probably the second busiest woman in all of football. <laughs> so we understand that coordination takes time, but... We're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about how Chelsea took all three points in a must-win match versus West Ham through another resolute defensive performance. Timo Werner looking good on the dance floor, uh, scoring the winning goal for the Blues and other bright performances. That And maybe the interesting bit of officiating near the end of the match if we want. And because Abby is here, uh, because you know her from the Chelsea Match Day Live, you know her potentially from the BBC Radio and the many myriad of shows that she is involved with, uh, do a little bit of a Chelsea music-related lightning round as well. But Nick, we have three-word match reviews to get into first, the trademark patented experience of London's Blue Podcast. TM. Yep, we're, we're in it. Um, look, after a big win, there are typically, a, it's a deluge of these, right? But but you had to go through and pick the best of the best, which is a hard thing to do. So uh, we're going to start with Mr. Thurman, which is Timo, match winner. Uh, Pete JS 926 with Vari, important points. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Ernie, who has been a part of our locker rooms over the last couple of weeks with called my shot. And then he brought receipts uh, for what he thought the match was going to be. So well done, Ernie. London is blue. You're always going to get into the into the three word with that. Uh, team ooh, and then team O. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. You, you got to shout That's... out our boy Dean Mears because he was yeah. very upset that he has not uh, been picked. You know, so I just want to be, oh, this was a really good one. So, you know, Dean, we, we love you. Okay, man, we do. Okay. We, we really do. 
Uh, and then Reinhard went, Timo went discoing. If you know, you know. I love that. Uh, we love one nils. And then from, from Tana and then DJ Roomba, uh, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite at names ever, up the table uh, with a fourth now. Dan, what do you got? Well, I, I did keep it music themed because Abby was joining us. So in honor of Timo getting the goal, I'm going to do a LCD sound system shout out with Dance Yourself Clean. Okay. All right. I, I also went music theme because of Abby. She's had a massive impact on us all. But I thought about, you know, what what's a song or something with hammer in it, right? And MC Hammer came to mind, of course. And then also the Can't Touch This came to mind because uh, West Ham Can't Touch This. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Abby, what do you have after all of these tremendous three-word match reviews today? Oh, I feel the pressure now to bring a music one, and I haven't. I've actually got two written down. I was hoping you'd let me have two because I'm a oh, first-time guest. Yeah, you know, sure. that's Absolutely. allowed, isn't it? So sure. I've got nearly Timo time as one because I feel like, obviously, great goal from him to get us the win, but then he did miss a couple of sitters. I feel like if he'd have had his shooting boots on, we could have had three or four goals yesterday, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But he was fantastic overall, getting into the right spaces, and just great hold-up play from him as well. And he still is the player, whatever haters say, he still is the player that's created the most chances for Chelsea this season. So, yeah, big up to Timo. I feel like Turbo Timo is not quite there, not completely fired up yet, but I can't wait to see it when he is. We're getting ever closer, aren't we? So that was my first one. And then Tuchel we trust. Come on. Mm. I mean, unbeaten in his first 10 away games as Chelsea manager, which is a new record and it's incredible to see isn't it and he's managed to outsmart some of the best managers now in the league you know Pep Guardiola Bielsa Klopp and he just takes it in his stride he's such a student of the game I feel like whatever he like whatever lineup he puts out even if at first I'm like I'm not sure on that formation hang on Aspie's there Mm. but in the end it always pays off and we just have to trust him so yeah too cool we trust love it Wow, those were two excellent first-time three-word match reviews. So well done. You're already, you're in it. You're, you're in and we're involved. But we got a couple quick gratitudes housekeeping before we get into the full match review. I want to thank the new people who have joined us on Patreon. They're enjoying Joe Tweets' King's Road newsletter. Uh, he also has an audio mailbag now that he's doing exclusively on Patreon. Uh, you just can't slow that guy down. But uh, Emirate and Regan, thank you both for joining us. Uh, head to Patreon forward slash London is Blue. A podcast or London Blue Pod to get involved. And then, Nick, we also have some Apple podcast reviews too, which is a nice thing. That is right. Uh, Soma, Embristo, 515, Polly named Brad, Pradeep, Kylie, and Cannon. Uh, we've had this string, by the way, of wonderful spouses who maybe, you know, their, their significant other does not have Apple podcasts. Maybe they have the iPhone in, in the family. They've been going on their own account on behalf of their significant other. And I just encourage this behavior for as long as it will, as long as it will go. They mean a lot to us. And to have someone go in on behalf of someone else to do it, that's extra points for you. So well done to everyone who's been doing that wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and then a bit of housekeeping. We obviously play Real Madrid this week. It's, uh, we're, we're, you know, back in UEFA territory. So this is going to be a fun one. We're bringing our buddy DPZ back from We Ain't Got No History. Uh, couldn't be more excited to have him back on. So you're going to have plenty of content this week. Promise. 
Here's the here's a real question, just real fast. If Perez only saw forty Chelsea supporters outside of Stamford mm. Bridge, how many players will he think are, is on the pitch for Chelsea when they mm. play each other? Like, is there a like, number? Like, what's the X in that division equation? I feel like this is like the in the SAT prep when when you have that question structure where it's like. If this blah blah blah, then this blah blah blah, then what is this? You know, and it's like he's going to be seeing stars on on Tuesday, I think. Well, fingers crossed that happens. But we are getting into the match review. It was against West Ham. It was in the Premier League. It was this past Saturday, April twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, at the London Stadium. The scoreline: West Ham nil. Chelsea won. And we want to go straight to the fist stand app to get the highlights. Bringing it right now. Roll it, Jake. Hugely impressive from West Ham. Here's Werner off Diop. There's tons of energy in these early minutes here. Much of it coming from Mount Naspelaqueta down the right. Mount just trying to get himself a bit of room. It's a shot on target. Good feet then, isn't it? Good skills from Mason Mount. This is what we're saying when we see him higher up the pitch. There's no flag on Timo Werner here. He gets there ahead of Diop. Pulisic arriving. Chilwell, Mount as well. It's another one on target. This time it's Pulisic, but it's straight at Fabianski. Lingard takes, it's over Suchek. It didn't quite drop for Ogbonna. Goodness me, it's nearly in off Aspilicueta. Yeah, They're claiming an arm. Oh, it's actually hit his chest. Pulisic finds Chilwell. Yes, Verna! Had to be! Massive goal! Two minutes before half-time. Timo Werner as well. Everything about that is brilliant news for Chelsea. Well, it's great play, isn't it? Mason Mount, that's worth a hit. And it's a great hit! Following up, it must be... Oh, oh no! First one save on his right arm and his second on his left arm. Packs it down into a great oh. position. It's got to go in. Buena and Chilwell here. Ouch! Does he know what he's doing there? It's going to be 10 men for West Ham with 10 to play. Off you go, Balbuena. Silly boy. And still mounts off. It's too high for Tammy Abraham. So unlucky. It's not as bad a miss as it looks that. Another big test pass for Chelsea. Just one goal, but three really big points here. West Ham nil, Chelsea one. All right, well, no Brandon here, so lineup duties fall to you, Nicholas. Jump in. That, that is correct. Uh, it appears we had Benjamin Mendy uh, in goal. Um, kidding, obviously. Edward Mendy in goal. Uh, Rudiger, Christensen, and Thiago Silva uh, in, in the back three with uh, Cesar Aspilicueta and Ben Chilwell playing wingbacks. Jorginho and N'Golo Conte, basically the only options uh, that we had in midfield. Uh, and then Pulisic, Timo Werner, and Mason Mount up top. Uh, we had unused subs of Kepa, Marcus Alonso, Kurt Zuma, Billy Gilmore, Kai Havertz, and Callum hudson with uh, subs of Tammy Abraham. Yes, you, you heard that correctly. Tammy Abraham came on for about four and a half minutes. Hakim Ziyech and Reese James as well. Well, match stats included Chelsea with 55.5% of the possession, six shots on target to West Ham's two, 17 shots in total to their nine, 776 touches, four, uh, 566 passes, 22 tackles 
23 clearances, two corners, three offsides to their three offsides, four yellow cards to their zero, zero red cards to their one, and 11 fouls conceded to their nine, and an XG of West Ham 0.41 to Chelsea's 2.34. So as the guest, Abby, the lineup, the stats, the XG, dealer's choice, which one you want to jump into first? Oh, good question. Um... I don't know. You can put it on me. I don't want the pressure of cheesing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the lineup and Tuchel having the situations of the in Tuchel we trust. And the lineup, I think, had a couple of question marks initially from mm. people. But it paid dividends again. Yeah, it really did. I mean, seeing Azpilicueta in that right wing back position, I was not not too sure on that, if I'm honest. I think he's such a reliable player for us, but doesn't necessarily have the pace but then I think he reads the game so well he was actually perfect in in that position and he can you know push forward on the overlap so actually I thought he did really well I mean he looked shattered though didn't he when he got taken (laughs) off (laughs) he was he needs a long sleep I'm sure he's still sleeping now Uh, but yeah he he actually performed really well in that position of course um I think I guess it's resting Reese James, isn't it, for against Real Madrid because we're gonna we're gonna need his his pace and his physicality. That's for sure against Vinicius. Um, what else is in the starting lineup? I thought Chilwell had a an absolutely fantastic game. It's funny, isn't it? Because at the start of Tuchel's reign, it was like Alonso was a was a shoe in for that position apparently, and Chilwell kind of couldn't get on on the team sheet. And it feels like he's really raised his game in in the last couple of weeks. Three, three goals for him now, is that right? Seven assists? Which yep. is, uh, yeah, this is yeah, over to 11 goal contributions, I think, in total. Yeah, which or is 10, an yeah. Ex- yeah, an excellent debut season for him. I feel like we're starting to see now why we spent so much money on him. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fantastic player. And Timo Werner, as we've discussed, it feels like he's really, really getting to the levels that we know that he can achieve. I often just find myself watching highlights of him at Leipzig and I'm like, if we can get if we can get that Timo sometime soon, this Chelsea team is going to be unstoppable. Well, it's definitely something we want to all will into existence as supporters. And uh, if we all maybe take a moment, we can coordinate clocks and schedules and just all think it into existence at the exact same time. Uh, but we will take a quick ad break right here and then we'll jump into all of the conversations surrounding the match. So we'll be right back. All right, Nick, so Chelsea ended the day benefiting from the favorable results with Liverpool and Newcastle. Nice little draw there. And then we picked up all three points versus West Ham. Went across town, did some shopping, came back with a full bag of three points. So just kind of in in the sense of just how big of a win was that for us? And, you know, from your perspective, how did Tuchel set up to shut down a normally happy, goal-happy Moyes side this season? Yeah, I I mean... God, the waking up to the Liverpool result because that's our that was our six a.m. match over here, uh, Abby. So it's, you know, I'll be honest, that wasn't uh, my first priority for the day. Uh, <laughs> but waking up to that, you know, kind of put the good vibes out there a little bit. And you're like, all right, well, I mean, we're not chasing anyone yet, which is good. We didn't wake up, you know, having lost ground, so that's really good. And now we're, you know, I call this the most important game of our season. Like flat out, more important than Real Madrid, more important than the FA Cup final. I think the fact that this is this is top four six pointer, right? You could go either direction for us was so massive. And if Chelsea want to retain their uh, optimism around signing some big players this summer, this is a a huge part of that puzzle. I don't think anyone could uh, deny that. So 
my my thoughts around this game were, hey, you've got to go out and win this. Like you have to give space because we still have some hard games left. Um, this is not, you know, it's no by no means over. We didn't just, you know, secure top four, but it was a big, uh, it was a big win because for me, West Ham are a legitimate threat. That they are like they've proven it time and time again this year. It's weird to say that this late into the year, um, but they have been playing really well, and I, I really wanted us to to go out and show what we had. I felt like it was a bit of a cagey game. I felt like both managers had kind of set out to maybe not lose um, at the beginning with the way that we were so defensively structured. And I think they'd given up 2.8 goals per game over their last seven or something like that. So I was like, I don't know, maybe go at them. But um, yeah, to me, it was just a little bit cagey and that's okay. That's what big games can, can often lead to. So Abby, from your perspective, how do you think, you know, where do you kind of look at as the primary reason why Chelsea were so successful in this match? Like, is it an individual player? Is it the midfield? Was it the wingbacks? Like, where do you kind of target and say, ah, this is the two-goal brilliance that really gave us the edge? I just think defensively at the moment, we are so hard to break down. The player I was most worried about, and it kind of feels weird saying this because six months ago, people would have been like, what on earth is Jesse Lingard? Because he's in like frightening form at the moment, but we managed to keep him quiet all game. I mean, West Ham only had a couple of shots really, didn't they, that were actually on target. So I feel like we're such a defensive unit at the moment that people just can't can't score against us. And if you don't concede, then often you go on to win matches. And I think that is, that is what Tuchel's doing really, really well. You know, I feel like they're only... You know, I don't know. I I took this and Nick and I were having our regular group chat conversation throughout the match because we're not watching it next to one another or even, you know, very extremely socially distanced. Um, but, yeah, by you know, thousands of miles, then. That's what, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know, I mean, that's how far away I need to be from you. The optimism yeah. I have <laughs> and your pessimism at times just that's clash. Right. It'd be the absolute storm. It's realism, um, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, that's what you say. Um, but anyway, like there were only two moments I thought in the match where West Ham looked like they had any bit of pressure, any true consistency. And that was at like 34th through 36th minute. You know, Lingard, Suchek, Belbuena all had a semblance of an opportunity and scraped together like the first 0.2 of their XG. Uh, and then the 55th through the 59th minute, and, you know, Tuchel came out afterwards in the match and talked about how, you know, maybe after... We restarted post halftime. We really didn't come out firing on all cylinders. And so they did find a little bit of goodness there, Lingard and Finales. But I mean, Nick, they only had two shots on target the entire match. Like, this is a continuation of the narrative that Tuchel's team does not allow shots, does not allow shots on target. And when they do give up a shot on target, it's usually not a high quality shot either. Mm. It, it is a, an astonishing trend. I mean, and, and, you know, it's not just with. West Ham. I mean, it's with all of the big teams that we've played in the last two months. I mean, you know, Atletico Madrid barely have a sniff. Porto barely have a sniff. Man City barely have a sniff. I mean, it is like it's a brick wall right now. And and they're, you know, opposition who are, I think, even more skilled than West Ham. I found it even harder to, to break down. So it is, Abby, for me, it's it's just an incredible achievement thinking back on how defensively fragile we were in December and, you know, little November, December, January, where it just looked like any time the opposition attacked us, it was going to be a goal because of reasons. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but uh, it just, 
it's an incredible achievement. And I think Tuchel deserves all the credit in the world for that. 100%. So here's an interesting one that I was looking at. So since Tuchel took over, came in when we were ninth in the table, we've made up five points on United, eight points on Leicester, nine points on Liverpool, nine points on Tottenham, nine points on Everton, six points on West Ham, and 14 points on Aston Villa. That's that's a lot of points, Dan. That's a lot of points. And <laughs> since he has arrived in his first Premier League match, only Manchester City at 36 points have more points acquired than Chelsea at 29. So if you just want to talk about the benefit of a solid defense, that is quite the quite the impact. This is the maddening part, though, right? The points that we didn't pick up were to Southampton and Brighton and West Brom. Like... That it's it is the it's the complete opposite of where you thought those points would go, right? And especially a lot of home matches in there too. So just that's not not great, but yeah, I take your point that we are only seven points off of the league leaders from from points when Tuchel took over. That is a it's a good stat to have. It's, it's interesting that we it's interesting we actually turn up more in the bigger games. The fact that our biggest loss is against West Brom, I can't think about it. I've kind of erased it from my memory. So that's that's all I'll say on that. But I feel like although we've got a tough run of fixtures coming up, that's the kind of games that we turn up in. So I'm actually feeling pretty confident for the rest of the season. I, that's a great point. I think 100% yes. I think that's actually been a trend, regardless of who the manager is or who the players have been over the past, gosh, six, seven years where Chelsea comes into it and rolls in. And if it's a tough team, they're mentally plugged in and ready to go. And if it's a West Brom, they're like, Okay, well, we can kind of go into second gear and just hopefully eke out a result, and that is not how it ever goes at all. Uh, it is chaos and trophies and nothing in between. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just a kind of couple of comments. I mean, Tuchel post-match talked about how it actually called playing West Ham similar to playing Atletico Madrid that he mentioned, which is, again, wild. Uh, mentioned that closing down and stuffing out the counterattacks was the big difference in this game. Um, as, as Abby called out, there was the fact that, uh, this is the longest now away games won- unbeaten for any Chelsea manager in 10. Uh, and then really Tuchel said that the only shot that he was concerned about was Lingard's shot. He said that Chelsea's focus is a big strength of ours to not concede chances. So that sums up very nicely everything we talked about. But I think we should transition to Timo Werner finally Finally, getting the goal he was looking for and ending a 14-match drought for club and country. Uh, so, Abby, you know, what do you think about Werner's involvement today? And do you think he starts versus Real Madrid? You know what? After the the shift he put in, I would love to see him on the team sheet against Real Madrid. Definitely. The thing is with him, that was obviously a lovely finish. And that was the, the only goal. And it did win us the match. It's just for me, there are there are still a couple of opportunities where his first touch isn't great, which means he can't knock the ball into the goal. And, and there's there's so many of these opportunities that really he should just be instinctively putting away. But then it is, you know, it's still his first season for us. So I think although we have so much expectation because he's such a world class player and, you know, the amount we paid for him. I just think we've got a we've got a wait and but it feels like he's getting to the levels that we know he's capable of. And he works hard, doesn't he? And you know, and he sets up goals for other players. So I'm I'm really happy with his performance, but I can't wait till he reaches his full potential because it's going to be pretty pretty scary stuff, I think. 
So Nick, I know uh, you struggle a lot with Timo. Uh, this is a, a, yep. a conversation we've had, but you know the point is actually the goal that he scored had a lower XG rating than the one that he missed, which I am now dubbing the Tuchel reaction face gif miss um, oh, because that was quite well, the response. Was that epic or what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to get mileage out of it. That you will see that on our Twitter account quite frequently over the next year or so. Um, but hey, scoring harder goals and missing easier ones—the Timo Werner story—that is his season. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, my timeline was a hilarious place yesterday. Uh, Abby, for, for you, I my uh, bugaboo with Timo is that I feel like he's been given every chance in the world this year to succeed, mm-hmm. whereas other players have not maybe had the similar opportunities. And I think this is his third goal in 27 games or something like that. So just, you know, whatever. It's results-based business, and I'm just trying to look and see where we can find goals because this team doesn't score goals freely, you know? And, mm-hmm. and if we did, we'd be a whole different proposition um so yeah look i think first and foremost i'm really happy for timo like i I think it's a big you know to to break these slumps that he's in it's going to take you know the requisite skill and concentrate concentration that that he'll need to get through it because it's obviously not been an easy time for him and you have idiots like me commenting every week (laughs) trying (laughs) to figure out what, what a better goal scoring uh solution would be but I mean, it's hard to look past the sitter, too, at the same time. I mean, this is kind of the dichotomy of Timo that we're looking at. You have you have something really good, and then you have something in, almost unforgivable. Like, I dare I say, Dan, I could have scored that? I mean, it's it's like... Gosh, please, no. That is one of the, that's, that's going on our bingo card. Our our drinking game for this ep- this show is going to have to be a Nick could have scored that or a Brandon could have scored that. that? Uh, no, I mean, it, I like just... free space, gosh. I, I really, I, I don't, I really don't understand it. <laughs> I Like, more than anything, I, I, I made the mistake in the pub of pre-celebrating that goal that was not. Because I was like, oh, easy to the goalkeeper spills it right in front of you. All you have to do is like literally hit the ball straight and it's in the goal. Like that's all you got to do. He wasn't up, he was still down. Like it, it didn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, it's the dichotomy of him right now. He's a, he's going to be a frustrating player uh, through the end of the year. And my hope is that my hope is that the summer is a reset button for him, you know, and, and provides Tuchel and the rest of the team to go, all right. We really just had to put our noses to the grindstone for the last four months of the season, try and get through that the best that we could because it was obviously not a comfortable scenario for Tuchel to walk into or the players to walk into, right? But now that we have a summer, you know, Euros be damned, we're going to hopefully have some sessions together where we can rebuild this thing from the bottom up. And by the way, we're already doing pretty well, <laughs> but we have areas <laughs> that we can improve, you know, like, and I think, I think Timo will know that too, but I'm happy for him. I am. I, do I wish that we were seeing other players a little sooner in this match? I do. I do. But that's just me. I mean, the two things I want to call it. One, the fact that he was able to shrug off an opposition player in the yeah. buildup for the goal. Very impressive. Because I think what we've seen sometimes in his run-ins, he's been able to be pushed off a little bit. Obviously, both Havertz and Werner have talked about the Premier League being a little bit more physical than they were used to in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. So that was very nice to see because that kept the play alive. Uh, and I think the other thing is just 
the the attitude and the mentality he's showing is, I think, a really impressive thing when he comes out in the interview post match and talks about how, like, if I scored twice today, it maybe was going to be too much. And like, just you know, joking about it because he knows he's building back into it. I think was a really refreshing thing to see. Um, but you know, in general, you know, as, as you kind of call it, Abby, that he's now. Chelsea's highest goal contributor this season, kind of in terms of goals and assists, at uh, 21. So uh, next closest would be Tammy, and then it's Mason Mount after that. So even though he has not necessarily been, you know, if you flip them, you know, let's just say a couple of those assists become goals, I think we're having a little bit of a different conversation here. But he still found a way to impact in big games and uh, to be a presence. And I think to that credit, you know, he's, he definitely deserves some applause from us. Yeah, absolutely. Did you see what he was saying in his in- interview after the game as well, that, that Tammy and Callum Hudson-Odoi were like, you're going to score today. So when he scored, he he pointed to them in the stands, which I thought was very wholesome. I do feel like the, the, you know, the whole team's behind him, the fan base are behind him. And it's a, it's a confidence game as a striker, isn't it? But hopefully he's getting there now. So a, a, I did see that, and it's nice to see the support to Nick, I think from like all the squad, because I think it could be a situation, you know, we have talked about Tammy being out and not getting opportunities, but the way that they have rallied around one another, especially in this push to the end of the season, this is so crucial because this is when we need the unity. We know what happened in midweek with the disruptions of the Super League creation and then the Super League implosion within a 48 to 72 hour span. And that distracted the team maybe a little bit from that response, but this was a, you know, the team got together to respond in this match. It's how it should be for everybody, too, right? I mean, every player is going to go through a rough patch you know, throughout the span of the season. And the defining characteristic of some of the best teams that we've ever seen, especially our beloved 2012 team, was just all in everybody support everybody type of mentality, right? You got to lift each other up when when you're having a, a rough go of it um, and, and just have that belief that your teammates are behind you no matter what um, because it's it's a hard enough game to play if you have that and it's an almost impossible game to play if you don't have it um, so I, I think that is for me you know where this team needs to get to the level they need to get to is just fully 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 bought in everybody supporting everybody because these last few matches that we have especially you look at a you know the FA Cup final potentially a Champions League final if we make it through Real Madrid those are more mental games than physical games, you know, and, and you got to be really strong. It's a when we make it through Real Madrid, just FYI. Come on. I, I, can, I can help edit for you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> we did have a good question from Craig who just kind of asked about, you know, so just thinking about looking ahead to next season, maybe just a touch, um, but how many true goal scorers will Chelsea need to add be dominant over the next few years? Because we have talked about this episode, the defensive solidity that Tuchel has brought into this side, but also we have seen the challenges, uh, not just for Timo, but for Havertz, for Callum, for Mason occasionally, where the the shooting boots aren't always on. So is there a number we're thinking about, particularly as we get rumored to be in for every striker that's available <laughs> on the market for the next five months. If you just want to do a Mad Lib, you can put any striker name in there and you can be a fledgling journalist this, this summer. I, I mean, Abby, I don't know about you, but for me, I think the formation is really going to drive how this team moves forward and, and who they add and attack. Um, you know, it could be that Tuchel's just like, look, if no one can score against us, 
we're playing this three five two or three four three, <laughs> and we're just best of luck, you know, uh, mm. getting through the wall. Uh, if he changes formation, I think we probably need one and or two, depending on if Giroud goes or, or not. You know, I think that that's kind of the looming question from the striker standpoint. And if Tammy stays, I mean, if you lose two strikers, you got to at least replace them. Uh, if not, maybe look at different options to, to supplement their goals. Yeah, I would say probably we need two strikers as well. I do feel bad for Tammy, the fact that he kind of just can't break into the team at the moment. But I guess Tuchel's system, he doesn't really fit into. There's obviously been so much speculation around Haaland. Just imagine, though, that would be good. Because <laughs> he's a goal machine. I mean, if we add him to our team, wow. I, I will say that yeah. there was another bit of wholesome yes. content. Um, this one was... Tammy talking with, uh, was it Ben Chilwell and Mason on Instagram after the goal opportunity he had? And he was talking about being 6'5 and missing it. And Chilwell went, you're 6'5 in Air Force Ones, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was also a really good, I mean, he got into a really good position. I mean, he sh- he was bright in the, the very brief cameo that he had in this match. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it shows us that he might still have a role to play between now and the end of the season. Again, we're still scoring like roughly 1.1 goals per game under two goal. Like we've scored more than two goals once and we've had a bunch of nil nils. All right. So this is not a free flowing, free scoring team. Like, and if you, if you're telling me that, look, you know, I guess we're going to have to rely on, you know, one of every five or six shots from Timo going in to get us where we want to go next year. I, I don't think that's a very smart strategy. That is just me personally. I think mm-hmm. you need now now goal scorer and you need someone who's going to bring a level of fear that helps us dictate our final third play, who moves players with them. And someone like Halan, someone like Lukaku, so, you know, these big names that are out there, that's what you buy those players for. Well, we're de- deviating a little too much off players who are not even here yet, but let's talk about two who maybe also were big contributors to the result in this match. Uh, we mentioned them a couple times already in this episode, Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell. Abby, feel free to jump in. Who do you want to talk about first? You want to give a little love to Mason? We want to give a little love to Chili B? Where are we heading first? I mean, they were both fantastic yesterday, but I feel like I'm I'm the chief member of the Mason Mount fan club, so I'll I'll take him. I feel like there's only three things that are 100% certain in this life. Death, taxes, and a man of the match performance from Mason Mount. You know, week in, week out, he is just superb. There was so much talk about him even making the team, wasn't there, when all these big signings came in. And he's first name on the team sheet for me, mm-hmm. always. You know, what a player. I feel like he really does it all. Um, you can always kind of rely on him to to bring that bit of magic to games and create something out of nothing. Just such an integral part of our squad, I think. Um, against West Ham as well was just a, a case in, in point. I was looking up some of the stats earlier. Most touches, most ball recoveries, most chances created. And he had a couple of long range shots as well, didn't he? Where he tested the keeper. Obviously, unluckily, they didn't, they didn't go in. But I feel like if he can add that to his armoury, he's going to be even more lethal than he is now. And he's improved so much this season. Obviously, everyone was like, he was very favoured under Frank. Would he be under under Tuchel? But but he is. And I think that Tuchel's actually bought even more out of him, to be honest, as a player. One of the Premier League's best midfielders, and he's, what, 22 years old? It's, it's yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And I feel like, as a player, he's already got 
certain things about his play that are, that are already his trademarks. That deadly turn, just leaving defenders, just where's he gone? <laughs> uh, and yeah, just creating as many opportunities um, as possible. And aside from all that, I'll wrap it up soon, as you can tell, I'm a fan. But aside from his kind of stellar performances on the pitch, he's just got a fantastic work ethic and attitude and for me he is a future captain of our football club you know just a just a brilliant all-round player yeah I mean Dan people were talking about last year being his breakout season this is his breakout season I mean this is eight goals six assists now and he'll be the first to tell you he should have more of both of those um, you know which is a a really great sign of, of maturity and recognizing you know, how far you have left to go to be at the place that you want to be. Uh, but I also think there is a, the element of, of goal scoring where he is always going to be tied to Frank, no matter what anyone does, even though there are different players doing different things all the time. Uh, when he started taking shots from outside of the box yesterday, I was like, okay, yeah, oh, okay. yes, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I, that I, I do think it is something that if he can regularly test the keeper, maybe once a game, you know, it doesn't have to be all the time. We, you know, it's a low propensity shot, right? Uh, but if he can test the goalkeeper a little bit more, it's going to open up a lot of other things for a lot of other players. And sometimes as a midfielder, your job is to not put the goal or ball in the back of the net. Your job is to make everyone li- everyone's lives easier, uh, much like a basketball point guard is supposed to do. So I, I see a future uh, with him in that kind of a role, and I think he's just going to be brilliant. I really do. Well, I think he's adaptable to pretty much any situation. Uh, so I think that will mean that regardless of who our manager is, regardless of who the other players are, there will always be a spot for Mason Mount in a starting 11 in a Chelsea shirt. And I think he, outside of maybe goalkeeper, probably could play any position on the pitch and feel pretty comfortable doing it. Um, and even then, he might give it a go because that's just who he is. Um, maybe not tall enough for it, but, you know, he'll execute. I mean- his his turn at the end of the game too. I mean, you know, as, yeah. as we're trying to ice the game down, and then obviously Tammy didn't put the the finish away. Um, his first touch of the ball in three months, but hey, whatever. Um, I I mean, the awareness to know where you're at, to be able to pull off a couple of tricks, to be able to get down to the corner flag, and then to see your buddy in the middle of the goal and go, yeah, why not? Bam, here we go. And like. <laughs> It is. Uh, it, it show. It showed real maturity to me, and I think it's an important part of his growth. I mean, I know what I was doing at 22, and it wasn't that. Okay, so I mean, really, really impressive stuff from him. And I, I like, I, we're just all massive fans. He's great. I, I will say the point you made about the trying shots from distance. I mean, so Fabianski had to go low to mm-hmm. make the save, particularly on the second one, which caused the opportunity for the big Timo miss. So, like, in general, you know, even if he isn't necessarily getting it behind the net, the fact that it maybe is a little bit of a ball, it's a floater, it's got some spin on it, that isn't a clean save, potentially for a couple of players on our side that are poachers. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Tammy is absolutely a poacher when he's in the box. You know, it might actually create some additional goal-scoring opportunities from the, the rebounds, too. And so... Yeah, Mason will uh, always have his fingerprints on the crime scene of a Chelsea goal, <laughs> most likely. So that is uh, definitely the case. But Benjamin Chilwell, another player that did so, so well in this match. A phenomenal assist for the goal for Werner. But 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, Statman Dave with the Ben Chilwell stats for the game. 86% pass accuracy, six ball recoveries, four attempted tackles, four successful tackles, four fouls suffered, three big chances created, one big chance created, uh, one interception and one assist. That is just, that's a great stat line, Nick. I'm I'm over the moon with how he had a really great bright start, bottom out maybe a little bit, and now has returned, I think, to the form where we feel really great about him being a long-term player for the club. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is he is far more dangerous in the air than people give him credit for, too. I mean, he has a great leap on him for, for only being, what, like 5'8 or something like that. Um, you know, it's it's he's going up against bigger guys is what I'm saying. Like, and, and you know, you have to have that athleticism to pull that off. Uh, I think that he is really rounding into form. And I think what I've noticed from him in the past couple of of matches, Abby, and I, I want to get your take on this, too. I think he trusts the back three a lot more now, mm-hmm. whereas before I saw him conflicted. You know, what do I do? I go all in. Do I go forward or do I have to? protect right and he looks a lot more comfortable now to me in this role and understanding where he's supposed to be on the pitch and I think especially when he and Reese are playing the one of them is often dropping back so the other can go forward and they're kind of pulling the lever a little bit so so that there's not an imbalance so we don't have eight in attack and and we're just leaving the three in the back line so I've been really impressed with him and how he's adapted to this and clearly his left foot is is almost as good as it gets only Alonzo can rival him for (laughs) for left foot on the club yeah I think you're right he definitely feels comfortable enough to to go forwards now I think that's because he has such pace doesn't he so I think he was almost like stopping himself from running forwards and feeling like where where should I be Mm -hmm. but it feels like he is he's perfect in in that position now and some of the crosses he puts in and and some of the goals that he's scored yeah what what a brilliant player I, I actually, I really liked to when I, I felt like we were doing a better job of getting forward when he combines with Mason on the left hand mm-hmm. side versus when Christian's on the left hand side. Cause Christian tries to make that interior run, right? Like he's trying to go closer to the goal versus closer to the touch, you know, the, the lines where Mason's willing to kind of go out to the line and come back in or kind of do the, the overchange or the overlap. And so in general, I think. They make each other better where mm-hmm. sometimes Chilwell, like depending upon if it is Pulisic, maybe just doesn't have the same chemistry yet. And that can be worked up over time, Nick. But I think mm-hmm. in general, I, I really liked getting to see Chilwell interchange more with Mount versus Christian. Yeah, I would have thought at the beginning of the year that that they, you know, those two would have been a dynamite pair. It just hasn't come off yet. Um, you know, Chilwell and Pulisic, I should say. So that, it's a little odd to me because I feel like they would – you know, on paper, just be perfect together. But um, that has not worked, and it, it will at some point. Again, I think a, a preseason is going to do them wonders of, like, how to work together, what runs they're going to make, what spaces Christian likes to occupy versus any other left wing in the club, because it, it is different. Christian likes to give himself room to assess. You know, when he's out on the left, he likes to see things and then be able to drive and make moves, whereas I think – uh, Mount likes to just drive forward, you know, and, and Cal likes to drive forward in different ways. So uh, there's there's just a little bit of a nuance there. But when they've been switching too, you know, which is mm-hmm. an interesting part of this this front three that or you know two one whatever it is that that's been going on, they switched for about thirty percent of the game, and Christian was on the right, and Mount took up the left, and I think in mm-hmm. transition 
it it can be so fluid, which is what we want to see for sure. You know, we want this to be a fluid formation. It could be so fluid that, you know, mounting it up on the left for the end of the game because that's just where he was on the field. Um, so uh, I feel pretty good about that. And Chilwell, I think, is bringing a really good balance to the squad right now. Um, you know, I think he is he is adaptable enough to get back in really tough situations, especially when we're being counterattacked. Uh, but he's also able to, uh, for me, be effective enough in in high possession moments that we don't feel like we're just passing the ball back to him and it gets recycled. Yeah, you know, I think he can still do something with the ball when he's when he's out on the left. So we'll throw it to a listener question uh, before we talk about that incident because uh, I just feel like we're obligated to do so. But Sebastian <laughs> asked, said we all love Mount and rightfully praise how good he is, which we just did a bunch of. But want to know if he could be considered a nominee for Player of the Year. Uh, I don't think it's a nominee. I think it's the ballot is done and dusted. It's we're recording this on Oscar Sunday. You don't even need to open the the envelope. It, it's already in there. It's done. A dead yeah. shot, surely. <laughs> and the winner is Mason Mount. It turns out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's by far our player of the season. And look, it's not to say that someone like Tiago Silva, who had a brilliant start, or Andres, Andreas Christensen, or Rudiger, who have had a a more uh, a better finish to the season shouldn't also be in the makeup of whatever ballot this would be. But I mean, if you're looking at performances and consistency across the entire season, there's one guy, I, the one guy who stands out, and that's Mason. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, in agreement. We can just fax that over to headquarters and get the <laughs> get it done in advance. Um, all right, so we'll talk about it. Uh, as our friend Joe Tweeds put, this is the sort of referee we should expect going forward for saving football. But uh, yeah, there was an incident. There was a red card. There was a lot of disagreement about slow motion and where foot should go and Lee Dixon engaging in physics conversations on the U.S. broadcast. It was a wild couple minutes and David Moyes <laughs> wasn't happy and Azpilicueta looked like he was going to get, you know, into blows. And I don't know, man, it just blew up at the end. But Abby, what, what did you make of it? <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful challenge. Uh, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because for me, there was just no way it was ever a red. But then I went onto Twitter and I was like, hang on a minute. The timeline was completely divided. And I was doing match day live for, for Chelsea TV that day. So obviously we, we had a chat about it afterwards and Jason Cundy was on. And being an ex-player, he was like, without a doubt, that is a red card. It's the, the classic tactic of leave a little something on him, but make it look innocent. So I don't know what I think now because I just think that's the problem with VAR. If you watch anything slowed down enough, it looks bad. It looks dodgy and and it ruins the game, doesn't it? In a way, I didn't want West Ham to go down to 10 men because it was actually a really good game, wasn't it? It was a fun game to watch. It was a close battle, especially after the the ball fest against Brighton. I was quite up for a bit of action. So for me, not a red card. But yeah, as I say, now I'm just very confused. What's what's your take on it, guys? Never a red for me. Never, 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 never. And, and like, it's not to say that it wasn't a yellow card challenge. It was. It, mm-hmm. it may have just been a foul. I mean, it, the. I think the problem I had with it was that Chilwell was obviously trying to make up ground, right, to block the pass, mm-hmm. and his body is in such a weird position. It's it's almost as if he had like swan dived in front of it, you know. Like <laughs> he's he's basically like a board, and his legs are just you know. The, he obviously gets raked on the back of the calf, right? I mean, it's it's kind of a straightforward thing to to look at, but 
I don't know what Balbuena is supposed to do with his foot if he can't follow through. I, I think mm-hmm. that's my problem with the entire thing. It's like if you're kicking the ball, you don't just leave your leg up so the other player can pass underneath you. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, it would be really polite if he would have done that, but I just, I can't, I can't buy into that being a red card. And I think Kavanaugh's had a, a really tough season as a referee in this league. And this was another moment today where I was like, as soon as he went to the monitor, I knew he was going to call it a red card because I don't think he had much of a choice at that point. I think if he would have heard the, the VAR and gone, nah, I'm not buying it, and called it off, then they would have got out of it. But mm-hmm. as soon as he went to the monitor, for me, it was always going to be there. And I agree. Like, I think I don't know if West Ham would have equalized in that game. I don't know if they ever would have equalized. You'd give them 180 minutes of football against this defense, and maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, it just it put a really bad taste in in our mouths because this was the top four clash that we've been waiting for. And you don't want to see unnecessary red cards, especially when there are so many other parts of the game that VAR could be useful for. (laughs) Well, I did like the, the fact that Jason came out and was so willing to say like, absolutely. Like this is something I would have done as a player. It is a red card. Cause I felt like there was just a little bit of a drag at the end. Like the, the, mm-hmm. like, yes, you know what? There could have been incidental. And I think the thing with VAR is trying to legislate intent in slow motion is a really hard thing to do and where it should be. Like, did action happen? And empirically, this action did or didn't happen. Like the, we got let off. Um, I mean, it definitely was a borderline decision, but we also could have seen on another day. A penalty be given for a, you know a handball in the beginning parts of the match for Asby. Like I did hit the shirt line, but I don't know. Like we had decisions go our way plenty of times this season. We've had decisions go in our favor, and this is just one that ended up going in our favor. But one I don't think changed the game when we look at how much West Ham struggled to get the ball forward, sustain play, like. They they only got up to point four in terms of expected goals, like and the last one came in like you know the dying moments. So I just I don't know. Like I get Moyes being upset. I get all you know people being upset about VAR and its impact. But I don't know. It did it to me. It didn't change the game actually in any capacity. I mean I don't know. It just. <laughs> Um, it's it's more of a problem with the standard of refereeing and, and VAR in this league. It has been so poor all year, and I don't know what the solution is, Abby. I mean, you know, I have no control over the uh, the PGMOL, um, but it, it would seem as if if you're going to call yourself the best league in the world, that you should have the best officials in the world to referee that league. Um, just a thought, uh, just a, a thought out there for everyone, but. It's, it's been really hard to watch all year, and, and every team has been at the center of some controversy. You know, mm-hmm. this is it's been evenly spread in that regard, which I think is cool, but then you have your Manchester United who somehow get more penalties than everyone else, and that's not great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just bemoaning, you know, whether this moment, this one moment was or was not, I think I'm bemoaning the quality of refereeing in the league, and it's just, it's not been good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, so before we get to the day of the match, um, any other players we want to talk about? Christensen had a good game playing in a different part of the back three, N'Golo Kante, doing N'Golo Kante things. Anyone else want to throw some praise on before we round is, it? Is Kante rolling back into form or what? Oof. My, my guy looked like he was spring-loaded yesterday. I mean, just absolutely everywhere. And I think... 
there were moments where he was floating between Lingard and Suchak, two very different types of players, and was just didn't care. I mean, just was there. Um, I I am praying that he is like a hundred percent fit for this run in because mm-hmm. if he is, if we have N'Golo Conte at his best, Abby, I, I mean. That's that's an extra half player on the field, and I don't see us <laughs> losing if he's on. I don't. <laughs> so true. I think he's two players, if anything, isn't it? It's like having another player in, in midfield. He's just always fantastic. So in a way, I feel bad because I don't always praise him. It's just because that's what we've come to expect from him. I'd love to have a look at his heat map, though, from the game, because <sighs> he was everywhere, closing down any yeah any sniff of an opportunity that, that West Ham had. So, yeah. Big up to to Kante as always. It, it's like the, uh, the the dog. This is a fine uh, meme with N'Golo Kante as the fire and West Ham as yep. players or the dog in the center. <laughs> like that is what the heat map would look like for N'Golo Kante in this match. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we did run a day in the match poll. I actually, before the club put theirs out, I put mine out. Clearly they copied the answers because they Ooh. also put Chilwell, Conte, Mount, and Werner in. And Mason Mount ran away with this one, 58% of the total. Timo Werner, you know, can only do so much. Ends up with 25%. Chilwell with 10 and then N'Golo Conte with 7. Again, being graded on the N'Golo Conte benchmark, which is, you know, just the unfortunate thing for him. Un- unlike Premier League refereeing, he has a high standard that he achieves all the time. And and now, so he has to do something like extra crazy to get over that. And it's only been like triple nutmeg goal, you know, yeah, you know there has to be something just magical for him to get more than 8%. It seems like it's crazy, but I think if Werner would have bagged his second, he would have been man of the match. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, Premier League table as it stands. So, uh, we are at, uh, there are 77 points, uh, for Manchester City, uh, in first place. Manchester United drawing before we started recording this morning against Leeds at 67 points. Leicester City at 59. And now Chelsea sit one point behind them, but Leicester do have a game in hand and they do play Crystal Palace here coming up on Monday. West Ham in fifth place now on 55 points. Liverpool in six on 54 points. Uh, they play Manchester United yet. So yeah, next week. So that would be a nice time for Manchester United to do us a favor. And then Tottenham down into seventh place. They uh, are at 53 points, play Sheffield next, Everton eighth, uh, play Villa next on uh, 52 points. Leeds, 47th, play Brighton next. Uh, and then Arsenal, 10th place, 46 points. Firmly mid-table, firmly mid-table Arsenal. It is lovely. The most um, mid-table that you can be. I mean, they are... <laughs> perfectly is... mid-table. They used to have a love affair with fourth, but Dan, I think they've maybe dropped their standards to 10th. Uh, I think they, they've they been floating around 10th all year, so that's been pretty cool. I shed no tears for them whatsoever. Uh, and then on the other end, uh, Fulham most likely done here. West Brom absolutely done. And then Sheffield officially 100% out of the Premier League next season. So just... Quite the little uh, tussle at the bottom there. Maybe Brighton gets pulled back down if they continue to not be able to score goals, but it's going to be tough for Fulham to make up any distance between now and then. Who who saw this Newcastle resurgence coming? I, I mean, I thought they were. I thought they were going to be left. I thought Fulham was going to catch them and leave them behind. They have absolutely shown up in the last three four weeks. It is. It's hard to understand because their team has such a little talent on it. I, I you know. <laughs> 
I, I really like I'm I'm looking at their squad yesterday and it's like Joe, you know, they pull in Willick from Arsenal and it's like that's our guy now. <laughs> we got him halfway through the year. Chelsea's oh. MVP because you know, he was involved in the goal against uh Liverpool. He was involved in the win over West Ham with a goal, and he was involved in the draw versus Tottenham. Chelsea's secret player. <laughs> Usually we have to send our own players out on loan to get that kind of result, but I'm I'm just loving this this Arsenal helping us out thing. That's great. It's, a, it's another uh, Giroud, thank you, Arsenal moment. Mm. <laughs> um, so the 538 probabilities as they stand, uh, no surprise, Man City in the Champions League spots next season, along with Manchester United at 99% probability. Leicester up to 80%, and then Chelsea flip-flop a couple positions with Liverpool and West Ham up to 60% probability to make the Champions League again. It is in our hands. We just have to win more than Liverpool at the moment to make it. Uh, But Nick, how are you feeling? Confidence meter? Well, I feel better after this win, so thank you for that. Um, I really want to chase down Leicester. I think... Uh, I'm looking at Leicester on 59. I don't think they've been incredibly convincing um, over the last couple of months, probably. I think if we chase them down and we leapfrog into third, then then our worries are behind us, and we'll have a chance to to do that in a in a head to head. And I think there's there's some kind of magical element to that as well. Um, so excited about that, and you know, it's like look, we we still have Man City on the on the calendar, you know, and they're not going to be real pleased <laughs> to, to, to see us again. So that's going to be hard. I mean, I can't imagine De Bruyne having such little impact again in that game. I mean, he's just the best, he's the best player in the league for me, but yeah, it's, we, we have a much harder run in now and we got to pick up all of the uh, requisite points to, to make it, but it is in our hands. It's fully in our hands. Abby, what's your confidence meter at? Are you feeling really good about a top four finish at this point? I am feeling really good, actually. I think that win for me was just so important. I feel like it really puts us in the driving seat again for top four. And our performances recently have have been, I mean, maybe Brighton not so much, but generally have been pretty convincing. And I think, as I mentioned before, we turn up in the big games. So the fixtures coming up, I think as long as we're at our best firing on all cylinders I do I do yeah I think we're I think we're fine I think I don't want to jinx it I love <laughs> touch it wood. it's all touch wood <laughs> oh I love it definitely part of the why not us gang I appreciate it um <laughs> so we, we did have a fun little thing we want to do before we close out this episode uh because of your immense knowledge of the music world in combination with your immense knowledge about Chelsea um, we've also played this game with your friend Pat Nevin before and wanted to see if we maybe get some different results, but we talked about trying to come up with theme songs for Chelsea players and maybe some staff as well. And so we wanted to go through a couple, just throw them at you and see what your recommended song would be. And then maybe we could kind of throw it together as a playlist so people can listen to it too. But, uh, yes. how you feel about that? Does that sound good? Yeah. Love this. I'm ready. Let's go. Nick, do you want to kick it off? Well, I, you, you have one player that you'd want to kick this playlist off with. That's Mason Mount. Who do you got for oh, Mason Mount? I've gone for uh, Tiesto, the business, because he is. He always <laughs> delivers. It's perfect. Oh, that's the fantastic. Business. All right. What about Angola Conte? I'm thinking Fleetwood Mac everywhere. Because he is, as we mentioned before, it's just like having an extra player 
He's damage control. He's everywhere. So yeah, that one for him. Okay. Uh, yesterday's goal scorer, uh, a man who's who's in between two thoughts a little bit right now, Timo Werner. I was thinking it has to be something to do with his pace. Mm. Just trying to have a think. Coldplay, speed of sound for Turbo mm, Timo. Okay. How do we feel about that? Okay, I like that one. I think it's a little like I could see him in a chill vibes kind of moment there. Just yeah, yeah bopping on. <laughs> yeah. He, he would he would just do the the head nod that you know he'd just be in the crowd doing the head nod type of thing, getting it going. Um, what about Mr. Ice Cold, Benjamin Chilwell? Chili B. I mean, you could do anything by Chili Gonzalez, or of course, Ice Ice Baby. That's got to be it for him, hasn't it? Him walking out of the tunnel to that. You can just imagine it. Oh, 100%. I feel like that's a TikTok video waiting to happen. It's just like it's a Chili Bee fam cam to Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) Make it happen. All right. So our our wonderful Brazilian, Tiago Silva, uh, is, is there something... Is there something a little bit more more boppy for him? Something a little more upbeat? Or are you going a little bit more chilled out? I've gone a little bit a little bit old school with him, um, and I've gone for "Solid" by Ashford and Simpson for the lyric "Solid as a Rock" because you know he's he's our leader in defence. We're not stressed because not many, or if we're being honest, any can get past Tiago Silva. So feels pretty apt for him. He did have a nice block in this past match, too, that we did not he talk did. about. But, yeah, he yes. was looking really good after coming back from that uh, spell of injury. But uh, what about, um, you know, I think, again, this is as the American Chelsea podcast. Uh, we are contractually obligated to talk about Christian Pulisic at least once per episode. <laughs> and uh, so who would who would be the musician and what's the song for uh, CP10? See, I was thinking about this, and can it be anything apart from the theme tune to Captain America or the Avengers? I mean, surely. <laughs> what What are you guys thinking? Is there an American artist that you think would would suit him? I mean, you'll you'll get some. Uh, you know, I, I think my lazy brain would go to like Born in the USA or something like that. But um, an, an underrated <laughs> song from my. Uh, my party days would be Party in the USA by Marley Cyrus. Let's, oh, let's, yes. Let's get that one. <laughs> let's get that one for Christian. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I vote yes. Good shout. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that's a thumbs up right there. Um, what about J5, Jorginho? What type of song Ooh, does he get? That's a tough one, isn't it? And we're going to bypass think- all of his quotes about Frank. We're not going <laughs> to even just touch on that this episode. We're going to yeah. bypass it, go right to a song selection. Yeah, a lot of tea was spilt in those quotes, wasn't it? I've gone um, Possession Obsession by Hall & Oates, the great <laughs> Hall & Oates, because he doesn't give it away. Oh, that's Does our J5, you know? Uh, always controlling the tempo of the game and, and just being Jorginho and being excellent. That's my favorite mm. one so far. That is a wonderful <laughs> shout. It's <laughs> so good. Um, it's quite a funny right. playlist so far. Oh yeah, this is uh, you know, you could just be, you see yourself drinking outside with a little bit of random music happening all the time. Um, Thomas Tuchel, the big German manager. What what do you have for 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 Big Thomas? Yes, yeah, so this was a tough one. I wanted one for our great manager and the excellent streak that we're on. So I've gone for DJ Khaled. All I do is win, but brackets oh. or draw or lose somehow to West Brom. 
That is absolutely wonderful. If I'm trying to come up with one on the spot, the only one I think I could go with is uh, Don't Stop Me Now with Queen. Like, just yes. like we're, we're, on a, we're on a train, we're heading in a good direction, like we just got to keep on pounding because there's two cup finals left to go. And we got I, this. I think I would have went Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye. I oh, just, that's a good idea, yeah. Because it, it's such a banger, and it just, it's so, I'm doing one thing here. Yeah. Like, you know, that, whatever you think of Kanye as a human being, it's still yeah. a great song. Yeah, that gets people pumped, what a song. Is there any player we didn't jump on that you had, like, an immediate, like, I have a song absolutely 100% for this player, and we should have touched on it? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. But yeah. we should make like, a full team playlist at some point. That needs to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, it just is an excuse for us to get you back on to talk about Chelsea again with us, to talk some music. But, Abby, this was fantastic. Thanks for making time wonderful. to join us and talk about a wonderful win. Thank you so much for having me. I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, and Nick, any final thought from you? Onward. Got a big one on Tuesday. There we Got go. A big well, one. We will be back with you midweek after Chelsea beat Real Madrid handedly in the Champions League. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep a blue flag flying high.